everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. Romans 8, 35 through 39. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you have our app, you can check sermon notes. All of my notes will be your notes today, uh, or you can follow along on the screen. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Paul starts with a question. This is the question that we're going to answer today, okay? You want the sermon in a sentence? Here it is. We are seeking the answer to this question. Romans 8, verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? That's the question. Is there anything that can separate you from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? That Greek word for trouble is pressure. It's the visual image of squeezing the juice out of a piece of fruit. So he's saying, if we have pressure, if we are being squeezed by pressure, if my chest is tight, I'm constantly worried, if I just feel like I'm under pressure, or he says calamity. That word for calamity is a Greek word meaning being stuck in a confined place. So he's saying, if you feel like you're under pressure... If you feel like you're stuck in a confined space and you can't get out or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, does it mean that Christ no longer loves you? If you feel like you're under pressure today and you've wondered if God still loves you, if you feel like you're just trapped and you don't know what to do, and you've asked yourself the question, is God mad at me? Is God punishing me? Does God no longer love me? Verse 36, Paul says, as the scriptures say, for your sake, he is here he is dismissing the idea that we don't face persecution. He's saying, as the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. In other words, he's saying, it should not surprise you if you feel a little pressure. Should not surprise you if you feel like you're in an enclosed space and you're just, you're being crunched, you're being squeezed, it's being tight and there's pressure in there. Here is the answer for all of us, okay? And I think we just need to shout it together. The question, verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? The answer is the first word of verse 37. I'll wait till they hit it on there. Here is the answer. Can anything separate you from the love of Christ? No. No. Not pressure. Not troubles. Not persecution. Not calamity. Not worry. Not fear. Nothing can separate you from Christ's love. Despite all these things overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Verse 38, and I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Those are astronomical terms. That means nothing in the galaxies, nothing on this earth or other places or anywhere in the stars or sky or anything. Nothing, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. 
my son, he, uh, we go on these adventures together. He loves an adventure now. I don't know what it is about him, but he's a blast. He's like, Daddy, let's go on an adventure. And we have this retention pond that's in our neighborhood, and there's this trail in these woods that surround it. So we're always going on adventures down there. We love to walk the, uh, <clears throat> we love to walk the little trail and uh, just, just see what we can come up with. And we were walking the trail one day, and there was this giant white bird. I think it was a sandhill crane, but I, I don't know. It looked like it. It was just this massive white bird. He called it a duck. And he said, Daddy, he said, look at that duck. And I said, yeah, bud. I said, what do you want to do? And he said, Dad, I want to sneak up on it. And I was like, really? Like, that's a bold move from a kid who's scared to pick up a lizard in the backyard, you know. But he's, he wanted to. And he, I, hey, I'm not going to pause my son's quest for masculinity. I was like, boy, go get you a duck, right? So he's, he's sneaking up, and he's doing this number right here. And then in all as serious as he could be, he's getting closer, and he stops. And as serious as it gets, he looked at me, and he said, wait. He said, Dad, can ducks run? I said, bud, not faster than you. And he said, oh, okay, okay. So then he, he snuck up on the duck, and of course, it flies away. But what he was doing in that moment is the reality hit him. I'm getting closer and closer and closer. I better gauge my ability to separate. I better figure out if this thing goes south, if I can get out, or if it's going to go away from me, or if it's going to run after me. You know, Paul was engaging a group of Christians in the book of Romans, in the Roman church. He's engaging them under the idea that they thought something could separate them from Christ's love for them. Whether it be something that they themselves had gone through in their past, I don't have time to walk you through it, but if you go back from Romans 5 to Romans 7, you'll see all of this. And the question that is emphasized in Romans 8.35 is a, the backstory is Romans 5 through 7, where they're saying, hey, we've been persecuted, hey, we have been threatened, we have been torn apart, we have been killed, or then they go to another length of saying, I myself am sinful, I am a sinful man of sinful ways, how do I get free from this body of wretchedness, what do I do? And, and basically what they're saying is, can something that has happened to me, or something that I have done, separate me from the love that Christ has for me? Whether or not we do it intentionally or subconsciously, we do the same thing. We face pressure. We face stress. We face troubles. We face calamity. We face persecution. And we ask ourselves, does God not love me anymore? Is God mad at me? Is he frustrated with me? Has he removed his love from me? Is his love not good for me anymore? Or we do the opposite and we talk about ourselves and say, man, have I, do I not deserve God's love? Do I not measure up from what I've done in my past or what I'm doing now or what I've done and what I've said and how I've hurt people? Do I not deserve the love of Christ? And Paul engages them boldly and he asks them directly, can anything separate you from the love that you have in Christ Jesus? And he answers it in 37 with a bold, no. He says, of course not. And since nothing can separate you from his love, he gives us three mindsets to carry. He says, because nothing, absolutely nothing, 
will separate you from the love that God has for you in Christ Jesus, you can live with three mindsets. How do we bring back Mary in a time that may feel like there's a lot of pressure? may feel confined. It may feel stressed. How do we welcome back the merry, joyful cheer into our life? It's when we understand nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, and then we embrace the three mindsets that Paul gives us. Here's number one. It's in Romans 8, verse 37. The first one is, despite all these things. Listen to him as he says, no. He gives you the answer. Despite All these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. That word for overwhelming victory, it's a Greek word that means to over-conquer. It was a military term that meant kill everybody. I'm not kidding. It meant over-conquer. It meant decimate everything so that there was absolutely no threat of retaliation. If it was there, it was dead, and it was burnt to the ground, and they piled the ashes in the middle of the city. That's what it meant to overconquer. So he says we have overwhelming victory. That is not just a good win by a good margin. That is a victory that someone will never recover from. You know who's not recovering from that, right? Did we have a victory that cannot come back to defeat us, that cannot come back to hinder us? And so maybe, I, I love how he starts this, despite all these things, maybe you're in here and all these things would define what is going on in your mind and your heart right now. I have all these things happening, all these things in the world, all these things at home, all these things with my family all these things with my friends, all these things with my health. What do I do? What does Paul say? Despite all these things, in light of all these things. I love how he doesn't dismiss it and say, oh, sing another worship song and it'll all go away. No, he says, despite all these things that you're going through, they're there, they're real, they're relevant to your life, but despite them, you have an overwhelming victory in Christ Jesus through his love. I I told you a couple weeks ago, I talked about playing high school basketball, and uh, we had a good basketball team for the area that we were in, right? It's all relative to how good your team is. We were a small Kansas town in Spring Hill, and we had a good basketball team. We got adventurous, and we decided one year that we were going to start the season in an out-of-conference tournament in downtown Kansas City. Horrible idea, right? We got paired up against Westport High School, which at the time, this was 2002, Westport High School had two studs playing basketball for them, Brandon Rush and Michael Jefferson. Brandon Rush was an NBA first-round draft pick. He was, I think he was drafted 13th overall. He played at the University of Kansas. Michael Jefferson played at the University of UCLA. And then he went on to play international pro ball everywhere. I played against those guys in high school. So here we are, and we're at this tournament, and those guys are there. And Roy Williams at the time was the coach of the University of Kansas. He was there at the game because he was recruiting them. He left the next year, and Bill Self took over. Anyway, no heartbreak there. But he was there, and we were all ready to play this game. And I remember our team, we were so optimistic. We were like, Roy Williams is here. He's here to see them, but he's going to see me today. This is my moment. 
They don't know it. We're going to upset the world. So we go to the game. Tip happens off the tip. This is no lie. If YouTube existed at that time, you could find it on YouTube. No lie. Tip happens. Pass to Michael Jefferson. Michael Jefferson takes two dribbles. It's a back screen to Brandon Rush. Brandon Rush loops around. He literally jumped over. I'm not, I'm not kidding. He jumped over my friend that was playing defense. Jumped over them. Michael Jefferson throws a lob. Brandon Rush in the air jumps up, catches it with one hand, slams the ball, and the crowd goes crazy. I am talking erupts. People are running the baselines. Everyone's screaming and yelling. And we were all standing there like, wow, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Nobody on our team could do that. And we, I mean, when I say we got embarrassed, the game was over in that moment. We went from shock the world to get the bus and get us out of here, right? Like, this is terrible. At halftime, I remember sitting in the locker room. We were down like 35 at halftime. Coach walked in and he was like, well, guys, not much to say about that one. I'll see you on the bus in about 45 minutes, right? You just endure this. I mean, it was such an over overwhelming, embarrassing defeat that it, there was nothing to be said. There was not even anything we could do. We knew we lost. We knew it was over, and we just wanted to get out of there. Do you realize when Paul says we have an overwhelming victory through Christ Jesus, he is saying in your life, you may be going through all these things, but despite all these things. You have an overwhelming, embarrassing, triumphant victory over the one who is trying to stop you. Come on, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what does. We have a victory because nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. I live in an overwhelming victory of all the things that are trying to get me down, that are trying to discourage me, that are trying to stop me, that are creating pressure in my life. I have overwhelming victory, indescribable victory, an embarrassing victory over those things. That's my mindset. When all these things start creating pressure and trouble and calamity in my life, I am saying, despite all these things, I have victory. Despite all of these things, I overcome it. Number two, Romans 8, verse 38. The second mindset is that we are convinced that nothing. Not only is it in all things I know, but I am convinced that nothing Romans 8, 38, and I'm convinced that nothing, absolutely nothing, you want the Greek on nothing, it means nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Listen to the things he lists out, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. What are you fearful of today and what are you worried about tomorrow? It doesn't stop God's love for you. What are you fearful about today? What are you worried about tomorrow? It doesn't cancel out the victory that you have in Christ Jesus. He says, not even the powers of hell can separate us 
from God's love. Catch this. When I am convinced of his love, I'm confident in my identity. When I am convinced that God loves me and there is nothing that's going to separate me from his love for me and there's nothing that's going to pull away his love and his heart and his victory and his desire for me. When I'm convinced of that, I am confident in the identity that I have in Christ. It's when I question his love that I'm tempted with false identity. So when I question whether or not he loves me, that I start looking to find my identity in work or looking to find my identity in people or looking to find my identity in friendship or another relationship or something like that. You know how you can figure out what a false identity is? It's what you refer to yourself as that can be taken from you. It's how you know if you're living in a false identity. I am a pastor. It's not who I am. It's what I do. If it was who I am, it could be taken from me. I can no longer be a pastor. That's a false identity. Because when that's gone, what am I doing? I'm, I'm trying to figure out who I am again. I meet a lot of very high-achieving people who have lost themselves in their work, in their title, in money, in power, and all of those things. And when those things are gone, or when they're challenging, or when they're great, they still have no clue who they are. Saying who am, because it's lost in a false identity. But when I am secure in his love, when I know that he loves me, whether or not I'm a pastor, when I know that he loves me, whether or not I'm friends with somebody, when I know that he loves me, no matter what, I can be secure in my identity that I have in him. I love Romans 14, verse 8. Paul says a little further if we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. My identity is wrapped up in being a child of God. I am a Christian. I am his son. I am his child, first and foremost, and nobody can take that from me. Nobody can change that from me. That is who I am. And we find that in the love of God through Christ Jesus. My grandfather, um, he was my hero. My grandpa, anyone else have a grandpa who's a hero? Man, grandpas are just, if you are a grandpa, you have an incredible responsibility. My grandpa was my hero. I just loved him, loved being around him. He was this big, strong, he's a fisherman. He fished like literally every day of his life. He loved to catch crappie. I remember catching 80, 90 crappie. He'd have like three poles going. He'd just pop, there's one, pop, there's one, pop, there's one. I'd just sitting there in the boat causing him all these problems, tangling up line and hooking everything but a fish. And he, he was so patient with me. He was so gracious with me. It was just, I just loved my grandpa. My grandpa got Alzheimer's. And I remember, man, that is such a painful disease to walk through. That is, it just, I watched this disease literally steal his earthly identity. I remember for me, and, and, and looking back, I could have been far better at this, but I, I, I remember I used to go to the nursing home and I, I would see him in there. And the moment he looked at me and he, he pointed at me and he was, he was, I could tell he was trying to recall who I was. I, I was just, I had it. I was crushed. I should, have, I should have been better than that. Hindsight's always 20-20, right? But I remember I was like, I, I can't come here anymore. Like this just, it just hurt. And I, I remember seeing all that taken away. But I, I remember with Grandpa, there was something that was incredible. I want to I show you one of my prized possessions. I love this. This is, these are his old Bibles. My, my Grandpa's an incredible Christian man. You can tell I, I just save these. I take care of these. There was this New Testament Bible, man, that, that is when you know a man's been in the Word, you know. 
And he had, to, and he always, I'm talking every day of his life, he kept this New Testament in his back pocket. He would always, he, he every day walked around. He got so bad with Alzheimer's, he couldn't remember names. He didn't know where he was. He couldn't communicate very well at all. But he always had this book in his back pocket. And I remember one day being in the nursing home, and I remember seeing him going like this. He was going like this, and he was, he was looking around, and he couldn't find it. He didn't, know, he didn't know where his, his New Testament was. And, it, and he couldn't say, I'm, I'm looking for my Bible. But I knew exactly what he was looking for. So I started looking around. I remember it was sitting on this little shelf. And I grabbed it and I handed it to him. And he took it and he looked at it and he slid it back into his back pocket. And he just walked around. It was amazing about that was this. He had no clue at that moment what this was. But he knew who he was was found in this book. It was incredible to see. He, didn't, he couldn't tell you what it was, but he knew it had what he needed. He knew who he was, was found in, and he's, he's celebrating and rejoicing in eternity today because he never let his identity, even though his earthly identity was completely stripped away, was completely gone, his spiritual identity remained. His kingdom identity stayed intact. That's who we are when we realize nothing, and I mean nothing, will ever separate me from God's love for me. I know who I am every day, in season, out of season, good, bad, in trouble, in pressure, persecuted, hopeless or hopeful. I know exactly who I am because I know who loves me. I am convinced that nothing can separate me from that love. Then he finishes here, Romans 8, 39. He says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. The third mindset is that no power. There is no power. There is nothing powerful enough to separate me from the love of God. He says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able. That is a great Greek word. That is a Greek word called dynamai. It's where we get the English word dynamic. He's saying there is nothing dynamic enough to rob you. What do we, when we use dynamic, we refer to great athletes. Man, Russell Westbrook is dynamic. He could jump out of the gym. He's more athletic than everybody. Russell Wilson is dynamic. How about Pat Mahomes? You know, I think Deshaun Watson is a little dynamic too. I mean, you got Pat Mahomes. He's dynamic. He can do it all. He can throw. He can run. He can jump. He can, he can do anything, right? We use this word, this dynamic word to describe these things that transcend human ability. Listen to what Paul says. He says, nothing in all creation dynamic. I. There's nothing dynamic enough. There's nothing athletic enough, powerful enough, cunning enough, charismatic enough. There's nothing dynamite to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing dynamic enough. Let, let's carry that word a little bit further because I love John 10, 28 through 30. We use the same word, but then it gives us the same resolution. Listen to this. This is Jesus talking. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Here's your word, dynamite. No one can snatch them away from me. Nothing is dynamic enough to take you from your king. 
Nothing is dynamic enough to steal you from your God. See, nothing. There's nothing dynamic enough to snatch them away from me. Verse 29, for my Father has given them to me. Now catch this. And he is more powerful than anyone else. That's the Greek word mega. So he's saying, dynamite, nothing's dynamic enough to snatch you away from me because you find yourself hidden, secure, and safe in the mega of God. The big, the strong, the impenetrable, the unbeatable, and the unstoppable. It is another just dynamic word of the power of God. These words are so illustrative. He's saying there's nothing dynamic enough to steal you because you are hidden in the mega place that God has. The mega place that nobody can break into. He says no one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. When I think of being trapped in or being saved, rescued in the mega of God, the place that nobody can get to, I think of nerf fights with my son. Man, he could use some tactical help from some of you who are a little more tactical. We have, by the way, I, hey, I got props and props and props for you today. Must be Christmas or something. These things have improved like nothing I've ever met. There was a time I had one when I was a kid and you got about six feet, right? I may be able to hit Mario on the front row. Watch this thing now. I bet I could touch a cameraman. You ready for this? Did we get there? Close? Sorry. Sorry. Let me get a little more arch on. Let me see if I can get this one. Here we go. Did I get there? I can't see. Close. One more. Come on, and they got multiple. You got all these shots in this thing. One more. There. Oh, Forget the illustration. Now everything's ruined. No, these things are incredible, right? My son is fanatical about Nerf guns. So we start out this fight, and I say, son, where do you want to go? And he says, will you pick your place? <laughs> are you sure, boy? So I go to the top of the stairs, right? Fish in a barrel. I'm at the top of the stairs. I drape the blanket over the railing. He can't touch me. There's nothing he can do. He sits up there and he just pow, pow, pow. And the angle's too good. And I got this little peek through. And I'm just, I'm just popping him. And I'm like, oh, you know, you better get some goggles. And I'm going to put your eyes out, boy. And I'm sitting there, boom, 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 boom. And he's running around. And he starts crying. His mom comes in. And I let him shoot me one time. And then we go back at it. And I, he just, he can't touch me, right? It's impenetrable. So now we say, hey, you want to have a Nerf war? And he says, yeah, but there's one place you can't go. Where's that? up on top of the stairs. Why? Because you can't get me there. He can't stop me there. That's what Paul is saying about the love of Christ. He's saying when you're in God's love and you know you have his love, there is no power that can get to you because you're in the strongest place. You are in the strongest place. Nothing can stop you from it. We live in that Love, how do we bring Mary back? We bring Mary back because despite all of these things, he loves me. I'm convinced that nothing can separate me, and I know that no power is stronger than the place of refuge that I have in my God. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith. Have a great week.